Get ready, get ready for this piping hot tea. Get ready, get ready for a tea time and filter with your girl every tea. Spilling all this hot tea on this podcast street. So get ready, get ready for this piping hot tea. One tea time and filter with your girl every tea. Hey, tea sippers, and welcome to another episode of Tea Time Unfiltered with your girl, Lovely Tea. And I got my girl, Lady J, in the house with me today. And we're here. We're going to talk about a few different topics. There's a lot of stuff going on. And I know a few people had asked me to speak on the whole Hung Shui situation. Um, and I've done some research, but I figured Lady J would be the perfect person to come onto this podcast just because she's had a lot of experiences with China and Chinese people. So Lady J, go ahead and say hey to the audience. Hey, everybody. Good day to you all. Thanks for tuning in. All right. So for people who do not know who Peng Shui is, basically, she is a very famous Chinese tennis star. She's on the same level as think about Serena Williams, Venus Williams, Naomi Osaka. Um, And what happened is that it's been about almost a month, right? Like, I think the 12th will make it a month. She Mm -hmm. came out of nowhere and went on to Weibo. And Weibo is like the Facebook Chinese version, right? Basically. She basically called out one of the top guys in the Chinese government. And this guy had been basically sexually assaulting her, sleeping with her for the past 10 years. And she legit couldn't take it anymore. And she blasted him on social media. And since then, she's just disappeared. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you want to go ahead and kind of take over and explain what all was said on Weibo and um, if you could just kind of explain the letter deeper, because the mainstream media in America, they're not really explaining what all she said. Oh, definitely. Well, I have to say, when I first heard about the story, like most of us a month ago, I was like, oh, wow, um, another high profile, you know, situation of a sexual assault. Um, however, living in Asia, I knew that it probably went much deeper. Um, and of course, doing my little bit of homework on the story, I see that the way it's being reported in the Western media is not exactly what the story is. And so what someone decided to do was kindly enough translate her uh, a punk shui. Uh, uh, Weibo post. Um, and the whole situation basically talks about the former vice premier, Zhang Gaoli, and basically how he basically groomed her, if if that's the word we're going to use, because mm-hmm. that is, in essence, what I feel has happened. And now, who is the man? Like, what is his title? What does he do in China? So he used to be um, in what is translated to uh, PSC, which is the Politburo Standing Committee. And um, he was kind of like an under-lieutenant to a guy named Li uh, Kaishuang. And this man is in the current standing committee. So this man has like a supreme level of authority and power. Now, he is no longer in that position. He was in that position. Um, I think he left that in 2018. So he would have been in that role for about five or so years. Um, And so he was in that position at that time. But before that, he was, I think, like a, what you would call like a mayor. I could be incorrect. Uh, But no, no, I think he's like a party secretary in Shenzhen. Um, And down there in the South, there's just money. There's just money. Um, And he, the connections that this man has, of course, they're going to make the situation go silent. I think this, this probably is another case of a deeper situation here than most of us so realize. Kind of like her blasting like a government official in the U.S. Absolutely. 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 Okay. So now what was said in that Weibo post? So in essence, what she said, and again, this is a translated version, so there's a lot lost. Um, but in short, what I gather 
Um, and I was able to pull this off of Reddit. So anyone can go on Reddit to confirm what I'm saying. But in essence, what it looks like she is saying is that he groomed her 10 years prior. Now, if that math is correct, that means that would have been 2011. Now, if anybody likes tennis like I do, you knew that she won the French Open in 2011. She came in high up in the rounds in the Wimbledon the same year. That's really when she was getting her chops, when she really, really bust on the scene. So in the letter, it looks like she confirmed that he ran up on her in her mid-20s, okay? So if you got this current vice premier at the time, because this would have been 2013, he would have been in there, I think. That would have been right around the same time, give or take. And he left and did his role. He's in a high stature. Someone running up on you. You in Beijing, you know what that means. Shut up and sit, eat your food and sit in your place. And that is what it looks like she is saying. She was stuck between a rock and a hard place. And I feel bad for her. But not only that, the wife knew. Okay, so what was she saying about the wife? Well, in one part of the, the translated version of this um, segment, she says, um, she said, it's true that you were attracted to me first, quote, otherwise I could have been able to come into contact with you. That afternoon, I didn't agree and I kept crying. I had dinner with you and Auntie Kong Jie together. You said the universe is very big. And she goes on with this poetic language. But what she was saying is that this man invited her a few years ago to his house to have dinner with his wife. Now, to me, as a person that understands on the outside Chinese culture, this girl is basically what they will call a Shao San, Shao San, third woman. Mm, so they were trying okay. to basically groom her into being his concubine. His, yes, his side chick. And in the letter, she goes on to talk about how he at first was just very, I'm going to take care of you. And I wish back, he talks about back in the day when he first met her, that he was like, I wish we could have met in another life when you were 21 or 18. Uh and then talks about how, you know, at first he's treating her all kind and nice. And then he begins to belittle her and shame her in front of his wife. And it's just very toxic and narcissistic and just absolutely crazy. And she was groomed and tossed aside, made to be fearful. And then he'd come back around and lurk. That is scary. And she got tired, it looks like. But the way that the media is reporting it, it's like, oh, she had a three affair with him three years ago. Um, absolutely not. No, this goes back further. And the fact that the IOC is using silent diplomacy to suggest that they're supporting her Weibo post and her Me Too moment, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's it's a no for me. It's a no. Yeah, there's definitely something suspicious. I want to go ahead and, and play what Palkisha Malvani had to say on Weon about the situation. Because yeah. if you guys don't know, after she disappeared, once the world started speaking up about pain, um, people like Serena Williams, Naomi Osaka, and many in the tennis community, they had to think fast. So mm -hmm. they sent out this email and they're, well, they're claiming that she sent the email to the government, but you can tell somebody typed the email. So it's really suspicious. So I'm going to go ahead and play you guys a clip really quick here. Where is Peng Shuai? It's been 16 days now. Peng Shuai is one of China's biggest sporting stars. A former vice premier reportedly sexually assaulted her. More than two weeks back, she revealed her story. And since then, she's been missing. On the 2nd of November, she posted this. A complete account of the sexual assault, the horror that lasted 10 years, she said. China's former vice president, Premier Zhang Gaoli was named. Peng Shuai said he forced her to have sex and then forced her into a relationship. It was an intermittent and abusive affair that lasted almost a decade. 
Peng Shuai dared to go after one of China's most powerful men, and now she's being silenced by the Chinese state. For two weeks, we've been telling you about Peng Shuai, the allegations, China's censorship, the global response, and the solidarity from the tennis world. Leading names in world tennis have issued statements, names like Novak Djokovic, Naomi Osaka, and Martina Navratilova. They want justice for Peng Shuai. What is China's response? Well, first they feigned ignorance, as if nothing had happened, as if silencing Peng and her followers in China will do the trick. It did not. Global criticism against China grew. The hashtag, where is Peng Shuai, started trending the world over. So China tried to kill the story with this sham. This is supposed to be the latest statement from Peng Shuai. It's on your screen. It is complete and total denial. It says the allegations of sexual assault are not true. It says Peng is at home and everything is quote-unquote fine. So what happened here? Is this really a denial from her? Or is Peng Shuai being held hostage? And I'll tell you why I asked that. Because of the dubious nature of the statement that has been released. First of all, the statement was not released by Peng Shuai herself. It came from a Chinese state mouthpiece. It's an exclusive from CGTN or China Global Television Network. They are the ones who put out the statement exactly like this. There is no letterhead, no PDF, no piece of paper, just a screenshot. And it gets more bizarre. Let's zoom into the statement. I want you to look at the third line of the text, there's a cursor there, the kind you'll see when you open Microsoft Word to write something. It's right next to the letter A. You can see it on the screen. And we aren't the only ones who spotted it. A lot of people on social media are talking about this cursor, like this man. Is this really a statement from Peng Shuai, or did someone from the Communist Party just type this up and released it in Peng's name? I know what you're thinking. Why is this cursor such a big deal? Maybe someone was just sloppy. They did not care to remove the cursor before releasing that statement. It happens. It makes sense. But it doesn't make sense when you hear the rest of the story. When CGTN released the statement, they said it had come in an email. Let me read out what they said. Chinese tennis star Peng Shuai has sent an email to Steve Simon the WTA chairman and CEO, CGTN, has learned. This is what they said. So they say this was an email sent by Peng Shuai to Steve Simon, the chairman and CEO of Women's Tennis Association. Are emails supposed to look like this? Even the recipient of the so-called email does not believe it. We have a response from Steve Simon himself. And this is what it says. The statement released by Chinese state media concerning Peng Shuai only raises my concerns as to her safety and whereabouts. I have a hard time believing that Peng Shuai actually wrote this email we received or believes what is being attributed to her. The WTA and the rest of the world need independent and verifiable proof that she is safe. I have repeatedly tried to reach her via numerous forms of communication to no avail. All right. So you guys just heard that. So this rabbit hole with this young woman goes very deep mm -hmm. and I feel really bad for her. I mean, the fact, you know, that she got enough strength and courage to even share her story because in Chinese culture, this is what you don't do, especially mm -hmm. as a woman, you're supposed to eat your sorrow and take your grievances to the grave. Literally. Yes, from the time they're their children, they're taught this. So yeah. for her to want to speak out and share something that's been a burden, a burden on her for the past 10 years says a lot. And the fact that they snatched her up within 24 hours, no mm -hmm. one has seen or heard from this woman. And it's very scary because, you know, China has these concentration camps. They're having all these human rights violations with the Uyghurs. You know, it's a lot of nefarious things going on right now in China. And then to see this alleged email from her, but there's clearly a cursor there showing that the person was writing the email as <laughs> they, they were so stupid. They screenshotted it right after they wrote it and then sent it to the Chinese media. Mm hmm.
Mm-hmm. It's, and, and this is the thing, though, and I have to be honest, again, um, having lived in Asia, I know that um, culturally the response of the Chinese, just like anybody, but it's a particular way, is very reactionary mm-hmm. um, and in haste. And it's sometimes not thought out. And I mean, as human beings, we all do that. But with the Chinese, it has a different type of flavor. Like if, if, and I know because we have media and things like that, that some of us are really visual. So if you, if you guys want to try to understand just the taste of the complexities of this story and how it relates to other stuff that's going on, go to Netflix and turn on any like Chinese, um, kind of series that actually kind of replicates this visual of imperial China where the women maintain a certain decorum and the concubines of the Shah Sans had their roles and their place and it was this toxicity and this 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 vexing you know fighting for placement between the women and to to own the place of this this high up man of this imperial individual and then the men had to play their role and anything outside of that placement of this saving face this allure of opulence and order under the heavens is definitely seen as an abomination and to be snuffed out that and so just do that. Go to Netflix and just take a look at a series. You can get a taste in the feel, but then look at that in its modern context, and then look at the 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 issues that we see geopolitically. We have the Olympics and the potential. This oh, we're gonna boycott. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you we know, can it's that. a lot um, of moving parts here. It's a lot yeah, of moving because- parts. Really. That came out yesterday. If you guys don't yeah. know, um, you know, our favorite press secretary, honey, um, yeah, Jen Saki Saki, girl. Saki, she came out, Saki Saki, um, talking about they're gonna, they're doing a diplomatic boycott of the Beijing Winter Games. And to me, yeah. that's just a bullshit gesture. Okay. First of all, let's keep it real. It's the politicians and the diplomats that are allegedly doing this boycott. But what, were y'all even invited? Was was Joe Biden even invited? Were you invited, Jen? You know, it'd be more, I think we would take it more seriously if the athletes were actually boycotting the games, but they're not. And I don't blame them for not because, again, they've been training since they were like two years old to go to the Olympics. So I get that mm-hmm. part of it. But this is just a mere gesture. So a lot of people are calling out the United States like, OK, you guys are acting like you're doing this to stand with the Wagers and stand with human atrocities. But that's mm-hmm. really not why you're doing it. You know, it's just right. a hollow gesture because America is still going to be there. The American athletes are still going to be there. And even the Chinese government, I don't know who it was particularly, they even came out and they were basically like, yeah, we don't care. You don't run anything here. You're not going to stop the Olympic Games. We could care less if the diplomats from America don't want to come. Their athletes will still be here. Yeah. And who you are talking about, I believe, is the foreign minister Mm -hmm. um, of um, of China and would basically he's like he's always foreign ministry he's the spokesperson he's not the minister himself um his name is um Zhao Lijian and he's like what this is not a, a diplomatic uh question so I don't have time you know they will deflect and move that chess piece Jin Saki basically came out and I'm trying to find her quote just to make sure I'm I I have it here. Let me go ahead and play the clip. I have it right here. Perfect. Of everything she said. U.S. diplomatic or official representation would treat these games as business as usual in the face of the PRC's egregious human rights abuses and atrocities in Xinjiang. And we simply can't do that. As the president has told President Xi, standing up for human rights is in the DNA of Americans. 
If human rights are in the DNA of every American, then why are only diplomats being withdrawn? Why not the athletes or the sponsors at least? Many US companies have partnered with the Beijing Winter Games like Airbnb, Coca-Cola, General Electric, Intel. All these companies are based in America. They follow the American law. So why are they still pumping money into China? No answers, neither from the White House nor from corporate America. I guess everything is fair in business, even genocide. Either way, China is pretending not to care. They say athletes are the heroes, not the politicians who clamor for boycott. Listen to this. The Winter Olympics held once every four years is a rare opportunity for athletes to show themselves. The protagonists of the Beijing Winter Olympics are athletes from various countries, not individual politicians. Those politicians who clamor for boycott for political self-interest are showing off and hyping things up. No one cares whether they come or not. And it has no influence on Beijing's success in hosting the Winter Olympics. All right. So y'all just heard that snippet. You heard what the, the, the foreign minister had to say. Yeah, they don't care, Jen Saki. They, they don't care. They don't. They don't care. Because you know why? It's bigger than that. Like, let's let's keep it real. Like, we're sitting here and we're we're seeing, you know, Saki basically say, you know, we're not gonna make this move because of the atrocities in in, in Xinjiang. And the reality is that is y'all go-to tagline, US um government. Yeah. I'm going to criticize my government because I can, but I'm going to say this. It's not just Xinjiang. Y'all are riding on Xinjiang. Xinjiang is the, 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 the worst of Xinjiang has possibly already happened. Fair enough. There are still things going on. Fair enough. But let's talk about the right now. The real reason I think there's so many multiple plays here. We we know the Taiwan issue. We know we these the destroyers that are going through the strait that's making the um, PRC mad. This is People's Republic of China. We know that uh, they China sent back in March a full report on human rights violations to the United States. You know, maybe the U.S. government is upset about that letter and beginning with the quote, I can't breathe, George Floyd, you know, and then for six pages of that report, dragging the U.S. government responses to COVID since they wanted to talk about the, you know, virus, you know, and, and laying the blame on the government um, political standing bureau, the Chinese PRC, and not talking about your failings, U.S. government. So there's a lot of like a play. Yeah, there's a lot they're, of back and they're forth. They're upset here. because China responded back to them after they accused China of being guilty, which they are, of the coronavirus mm -hmm. and spreading it and, and putting out misinformation, you know, jailing doctors and all that sneaky shit that they did in 2019. Back. So when that global report came out, then China turned around and hit the U.S., you know what I'm saying? Back in their face, like, oh, you want to talk about us dropping the ball, but you guys need to clean up your own backyard because your people are a mess. Y'all's police officers are over here killing black men and, you know, y'all are riding every day in the streets. So they basically put together a scathing report about the U.S. and they titled it, like she stated, I can't breathe after the whole George Floyd situation. So we're thinking this is why the U.S. diplomats or pulling out of the Beijing Olympics it has nothing to do with Peng Shang. It has to do with that letter that they sent, you know, that scathing letter from a few months oh, ago. Oh, definitely one of the bigger reasons. The report mm -hmm. on human rights violations in the United States 2020, this was penned by the Council of Information Office of the People's Republic of China in March of this year. This is one of the reasons. This is, but this is just one of the, the bigger issues that are going on with the other things. But they drug the hell <laughs> out of the U.S. government in this letter. And so along with the United States trying to show force, but oh, there's a part that I forgot. The Chinese weren't the only one to attach themselves to this letter. The Russian government did as well. <laughs> you know, so... You know, and then we know what's going on with that. We ain't going to go down that road just yet. But the situation with Ping, the IOC not really having this silent protest. You have people having to be forced to come out to support her. You have 
um, Jen Psaki basically saying, you know, the diplomatic official response would treat the game as usual. Um, and a lot of people have been talking about boycotting the games, but don't nobody want to play with their money. Why? Because you have lobbyists for some of these same companies that uh, Palki Sharma from WION and the reports you mentioned or you know, played talking about, well, why is this so empty? You guys are going over here. You still got McDonald's. You still got da, 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 da. But, you know, the money is still flowing in. Yes, because those lobbyists have told congressional leaders here in the United States, y'all better not say nothing. Y'all can sit here and try to come up with an excuse, but y'all better not mess with our money. It's, it's just so much going on here. Ain't nobody yeah. stupid. You got to follow the money trail. That's what it yeah. all boils down to. It always goes back to the money. So, you know, people getting excited like, oh, America's boycotting the Olympics. Nah. It goes a lot deeper than that. We're not technically boycotting the Olympics. Mm -hmm. It's just that, you know, old man Joe is tired and he just don't mm -hmm. feel like going. <laughs> probably. <laughs> he needs a nap. At the end of the day with all of that other stuff, yeah. it probably boils down to him not wanting to go. Basically. Right. He's tired. OK, he'd rather just stay and, you know, stay around his house and play golf. He ain't trying to go to China right now. You know, I mean, that that's really what you can boil it down to, because mm -hmm. this is just a hollow gesture. You Very know, at the end of the day, I really hope that at the end of the day, Peng Shui ends up, you know, coming out and they let her go. But this just shows you guys how fortunate we are here in America. And mm -hmm. so I'm going to use this to segue into our next topic. Now, you have this woman in China who came out to tell her truth that she's been burdened with that nobody knew about for 10 years. Well, now in America, we have the Playboy bunnies looking to, I, I don't know what they're looking to do. They're looking to stake their claim. Maybe they're looking to renew their fame. But if you guys do not know, Holly Madison, who was Hugh Hefner's main girlfriend, right, throughout the late 90s and 2000s, she is doing a new um, documentary series with A&E, uh, to explore the dark side of the Playboy lifestyle. So she's on here talking, Bridget is on here talking, and many, you know, colleagues and things like that. They're basically now trying to blast the Playboy mansion and everything she allegedly went through. So I'm going to go ahead and play you guys that clip really quick here. I got to a point not too far into my time there. I think I was only like six months in where I kind of broke under that pressure and being made to feel like I needed to look exactly like everybody else. My hair was really long naturally and I was just like, I'm going to go chop my hair off so I can at least look a little different. I came back with short hair and he flipped out on me and he was screaming at me and said it made me look old, hard, and cheap. I remember when she cut her hair. He was very unhappy about it. Yeah, his world. Hef would be pretty abrasive in the way he said things to Holly. She came down with red lipstick one time and he like flipped out and said he hated red lipstick on girls that didn't need to take it off right away. Even though other people could wear red lipstick and it didn't seem to bother him. It was very frustrating to live with every day, all of the drama that was going on and the tensions. I could definitely see that she was getting depressed and sad and her demeanor was starting to change. I remember there were times probably within the first couple years I lived there when I felt like I was just in this cycle of gross things and I didn't know what to do. Secrets of Playboy premieres Monday, January 24th at 9. Only on All right. So you guys just saw that premiere advertisement. And a lot of things bother me with this situation, okay? And one of the things that bothers me is that when the whole Playboy thing was being introduced to my generation, right? So back in high school, they would always do these little, you know, random promos on MTV, you know, constantly pushing this lifestyle of Hugh Hefner and his three girlfriends. And to us, they just had like the perfect life. You know, they're with uh -huh. this old man, but they're claiming they don't have to screw him. They're able to travel anywhere, eat wherever they want. They look gorgeous. They have a whole glam team. And let's not forget the youngest one, Kendra Wilkinson, was our age. She People, sure was. When Kendra got with Hugh, she was 17. I believe that they had probably been smashing since she was 16 because Kendra's mother was an attention whore and was willing to sell her daughter. I remember, that. Twitter. Okay? I remember that. 
Right. That. Now, yeah. All that is coming out now. But what bothers me with this is that for years they perpetuated this lifestyle to our generation so much so that they had black girls and other people, you know, what I'm saying looking at this like, wow, this is so glamorous. And I want to be a, a playboy playmate. I want to be a playboy bunny, not understanding the depth of it not understanding the exportation, the sexuality, because we were kids, you know, we're teenagers. You're just seeing this on MTV. You're just seeing this glamorous lifestyle. So you're not knowing any better. Next time on The Girls Next Door. Ever since we posed for Playboy last year, we've been bombarded with opportunities. I have been eyeing the brand new Porsche Cayman. I'm getting my grill today. Oh, I'm a PIMP. <laughs> so for now, all of them to, to be coming out with all these hobo tours, because this is not her first tour. Mm-hmm. This is like the third time she spun this story, but now she's doing it with A&E. Um, Holly has spun this story, Bridget. And it kind of bothers me because, one, Bridget and Holly were older than Kendra. So. Yeah. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Bad. Why did y'all stay for seven years? Hmm. I remember when they had their own show on E, because that was one of the most top rated shows. Yeah. Their arrogance was off the roof. You couldn't tell them shit. Anybody who had something to say was a hater. They're old. They're ugly. They're jealous. They're mad because I'm one of Hugh Hefner's girls. But now we're seeing that everything that glitters is not gold. So today's show sponsor is EvyPlate.com. The holidays are officially upon us. So give yourself and your wallet a break by enjoying delicious, affordable meals delivered to your door. Every plate is 50% cheaper than meals made from grocery store ingredients. So now's the perfect time to focus on saving money and making easy meals. One thing I love about every plate is that basically anybody can do it. You don't have to be a super chef. You can be an amateur. You simply pick whatever meal that you're interested in. They deliver everything to your door, fresh ingredients. And then there's a meal guide. So there's a step-by-step on how to cook each thing. And by the time you get to the end, it's 30 minutes later, and now you have a delicious, affordable meal right in front of you. So if you're interested, you can go ahead and try every plate right now for $1.79 per meal. Go to everyplate.com and make sure you enter my code. The code is SIPSLOW179. Again, visit everyplate.com. Don't forget to enter the code SIPSLOW179. That is literally a $104 value. So make sure you check them out. Mm-mm, mm-mm. And I remember that too. I remember, I wouldn't say that I necessarily was all in like some of the girls in my high school because there was some girls who, you know, was all about that life. I'm not going to sit here and say that I didn't turn my head and say, ooh, that looks like fun. Play board mm-hmm. parties, pools, grottos, da, 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 da. I was too naive to really understand what was really going on. I mean, please, I'm from Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. I saw the girls at my high school being groomed by R. Kelly, but I'm not going to go. I'm going to talk about how it was all around us for so long and we didn't even know. Right. And, it, and it was a point that I think that things began and I guess for our time begin to flow out. And for me, I think one of those moments with this story is when Kendra left and ran and married Hank Basket. Basket? Mm-hmm. Basket? Mm-hmm. She married him in the late noughts, so the late 2000s. I remember that. I remember that. Um, it was literally high school, right, right? 10 years out of high school for our generation, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that you have these girls or these women, I'm not going to call them girls, these women who were with her, uh, Kendra, who are now in their 50s, and their looks are fading, late 40s, 50s, who looks are fading, who are like, let me try to jump on this train and get a little coin while I can, because I can't out, I can't no more in a minute. That's to yeah, me the because, overarching theme of this story. Right. Because let's keep it real. Back then when the money was flowing in, when they were them girls all over television, when they were invited to the VMA red carpets and even the BT Awards, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, they I'm were. Favorite everywhere when i tell you the the same way we had these celebrities out here now they were the hottest ticket these playboy girls all three of them i mean everywhere every channel so for seven years y'all was here for it because the fame was there the money the attention but now that y'all are older and like i said the looks are fading the bodies the the implants are starting to droop they're not the same nobody's checking for fucking holly nobody's checking for bridget 
So now we're going to go on a hobo tour about all our grievances and the dark side of Playboy. And that's one thing I don't respect because for years, you know, people, not just me, but many people have called out Hugh Hefner and the Playboy Mansion and this whole lifestyle. You know, once we got older and we understood what it was, I I did a whole video comparing him to R. Kelly. It was no different. R. Kelly was grooming girls and having a whole harama girls and talking to underage women. I mean, excuse me, underage girls. So was Hugh Hefner. Oh, from but Chicago. Did not get the same scrutiny <laughs> as R. Kelly. Yeah. There was no, and, and matter of fact, Hugh Hefner, the Playboy uh, Mansion and all that stuff originated in Chicago, mm-hmm. where R. Kelly's from. That's a major connection. Honey, I I'm telling you, don't think there was no connections because oh, yeah. the thing about it is there were. There were. We saw stuff here. And again, I was young. I didn't I knew something was off, but I didn't know. I didn't know. I knew that I remember girls running up to the to Kenwood High School trying to catch up with this dude. And I'm like, why y'all running up under this grown man? You know, why y'all, why y'all, why? Going out to the schools out in the suburbs, same thing. Where were the adults in the room? Same thing with Hugh Hefner. The thing about it is a a lot of us were groomed. Mm -hmm. A lot of us were groomed and didn't even know it. And then some of our mothers and fathers sat back and let it happen because they wanted some adjacency because they didn't have anything else. And that's how people like certain individuals I guess we'll begin to name were able to get away with it for so long and that's the thing this is an old boys club game and a lot of old boys they played this game and were able to do it for so long and now what's happening is that we're in an age of enlightenment and awareness okay and people are not having it and so now people are talking but okay girls Y'all could have said this long time ago. Y'all mm-hmm. trying to ride the tail end of this Me Too train. Y'all have did better to come out during the Trump administration. It will sound better. This, this right. it's, it's giving me no. Right. Why not come out before he died? So he could have got the same scrutiny as everybody else. <laughs> this man been dead since about, what, 2017? He's been dead. But now you're trying to speak on it, and that's what I don't respect. Because I think he should have been held accountable for his crimes. Like I said, to me, they're all sexual deviants, Bill Cosby included. I know y'all don't like to talk about it. Y'all feel the way he's supposed to be the, you know, the, the father of black America. But if you really look at his history and a lot of things that he used to say on his comedy records about drugging people and, mm-hmm. you know, it, to, to cheat on your wife is one thing when you're drugging people and you're putting, you know, things in people's drinks, you're getting sexual gratification off of that. You're doing that because that is how you get off. And yeah. one of his best friends, people hate to admit it, but one of his best friends in the 60s that he was running the streets with was Hugh Hefner. Yes, he was. Okay, remember when Muchilla called into that green room show and she said back in the 60s, Bill Cosby wasn't running around with other black comedians like that. No, he, was not. he looked down on them. He was running with the good old white boys club. And that's what I'm saying. And and that's the energy that the Bill Cosby situation has always given. It's kind of like, wow, so hypocritical. Now you want to sit here and get support for the same community that you both love and tear down at the same time because you want that adjacency. You were held in such high regard to the boys. You know, you wanted to you wanted to get into that rat pack type of energy, different time for some of us. But rat pack, you know, for anybody who was paying attention, you know what I'm saying? We always there was always that one token Negro. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And, you know, you, 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 you try to ride on that same train and he was able to do it successfully until he got too big of himself. And for me, it was when he tried to buy NBC. Same thing with Michael. Mm-hmm. That's a whole nother conversation. But, you know, for us who are paying attention, th- those situations, the similarities and the parallels are not missed. And the fact that old girl Holly wants to now come out and say something, you're right to your story. I just am really kind of side eyeing you on the timing. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I have to. I have yeah, that right to do that. Too. 
Because I remember even when when Kendra was coming out with her story, I believe she had wrote a book at one point in time. And this was before Hugh Hefner died. Like Kendra was blasting him and was admitting in the book that she was sleeping with Hugh Hefner underage and she hated it. And that for him to even get up, he had to watch porn. Like he watched all types of porn, gay, straight, everything. Wait, 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 wait. Back up. What? Yeah. For him to even get hard, he'd have to watch porn. Porn would have to be playing. And from what I remember, I believe it was male porn. But I could be wrong. But um, yeah, he would do all types of sexually deviant things to them. And I remember when she was blasting him a few years ago, these two were mad at her. Like, yes, she's I remember that. And she's hating. And, you know, well, why didn't she say something before? She was a girlfriend for a long time. So I find it very interesting now that when Kendra was telling her truth years ago, y'all was knocking her, right? And Kendra said, okay, F it. She wrote her book, moved on with her life. She's raising her, you know, her racially ambiguous kids, living mm-hmm. her best life. Now we fast forward to 2021. Now here come Holly and Bridget coming out the woodwork. And y'all are basically trying to insinuate, because I haven't seen the whole documentary, but from what I'm gathering from the clip is that they're blasting him. I mean, hell, it's called the dark side of the Playboy. They Mainly. dragging him. Yeah, they yeah. dragging him. So yeah. why, why, why didn't y'all have this energy years ago when Kendra was dragging him and he was alive. So that's why I feel like some of this stuff is self-serving. And that's why, you know, the Me Too movement does not get as much respect when you have people who were willing participants in the bullshit now want to say, oh, well, I too was a victim years later. You know what I'm saying? Not Mm -hmm. saying that they couldn't have been, but they definitely benefited a lot more from that situation than than any of them damn women who ran behind R. Kelly trying to be famous. They got no benefits whatsoever. But some and, damn herpes infested peen. And and that's the reality. You know, we we sit here and we do not give Tarana Burke her credit. Tarana yeah. Burke started the phrase me too in yep. her respect to talking about her experiences and saying that yes, hey we have this issue that we've been through. And yes, you have the right to voice your concerns at any time. Like I do say that COVID-19, one of the benefits to this pandemic is the concept and the focus on mental health and awareness. And so if you feel liberated about coming out and telling your story years later about your experiences with Hugh Hefner, Great. I, you know, I, great. Maybe somebody will listen to it and hear it. I still, because I was a young woman of that generation, reserve the right to give you the side eye because the way you drag, like you just said, the hell out of Kendra. And see, Kendra to me has always been looked at as the, she to me was trafficked. Trafficked. Mm. <laughs> say that right. She gives that illusion, like for any of us who's seen the white girl who's been around a lot of black folks and the way she was, you know, I know her father, I think her father's black, right? Or mixed or something like that. Isn't that what her dad is? Or is that Hank dad? No, she's just a white girl. She's just a white chick who was just around a lot of different folks. To me, she seems like the type of chick who was that girl who was just around a bunch of things who was taken advantage of. And then the two other girls, women, seemed as if they took an opportunity when they put themselves out there and they ran with it. That's why they stayed longer. To me, it was more of a choice with the older woman. I think with Kendra, she was being utilized and she ran and she said something early. That's why her story has more validity and people respect Kendra a little bit more. I'm just going to keep it real. From folks of our generation, I think most of us see the three like that. It's, 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 no, I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, even to this day, her and Holly are still beefing so much so that even Crystal Hefner, who is who Hefner's daughter, um, weighed in back in April on their beef and she's siding with Kendra, you know, and Kendra has kept it real about her father, but it's like, it's almost like because Kendra was the more popular one because she was younger. And I think a lot of the younger generation kind of, um, you know, they, they kind of, geared more towards her than the other two. Mm -hmm. I think that's where some of the jealousy and drama come from. But yeah, till this day, they still have beef. 
you know, which yeah. is just insane. So I just, I don't take anything serious that Holly and Bridget say, because again, when Kendall was out here blasting him when he was alive, they turned their backs on her and she was the bad guy. And so now they're trying to play the whole Me Too victim thing. And I'm just not, I'm not here for it because they yeah. stayed for seven years. You stayed well into damn near your late thirties. And at any point in time, you could have left and you mm-hmm. chose not to. You know, Kendall got him out of there, you know, and she was still relatively young, got married, had kids. She was like, I'm done. Like, I I want a life. I don't want to just be known as his girlfriend. You know, he can move on and have, you know, all types of females and girls. No, I want to move on and start living my life for me. Yes. And, you know, the thing about Holly and Bridget, right? Mm -hmm. Holly and Bridget had gone on. I remember... Both of them were like in journalism or something. Um, I'd have to look it up. I think Bridget, they both had been to school and had gotten degrees. And a part of me still looks at their staying with Hugh as more strategic because I think one of them was into journalism. Y'all have to look that up on like public relations or something. I think that was Bridget. Um, I don't remember what Holly went to school for and I don't know if Kendra had went and got her BA or not. But I just remember the two older girls, it being more strategic and then Kendra seeing a way out and ran and married Hank. But then look what she ran into. Right. right. <laughs> Another deviant. I'm sorry, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. He was out there doing his own thing, too, which is crazy. And let me clear this up. Crystal Hefner, I think I had said it was Hugh Hefner's daughter, but Crystal Hefner was the woman who was married to Hugh Hefner from 2012 until he died in 2017. That's his last wife. Yeah, you're right. That's not his daughter. Yep, that's his last wife. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and she's always, like I said, co-signed that. And I think one of the major things when they had a falling out years ago, I remember Kendra coming out and she said, I had to sleep with him first. And she was saying, I'm not trying to slut shame anyone, but nobody ever got to move in unless they slept with him. And then at that point, Holly was mad because she felt like the way Kendra was describing living at the Playboy Mansion was not accurate. But now she's coming out with the dark side of the, you know what I mean? So it's just like, it's just hypocrisy and weirdo shit. But I I mean, I'll check it out. I'm here for it. You know, I'll watch it. But I just can't take either her or Bridget seriously. It's a side eye for me. It is. It's just a complete side eye. But like you say, I'm still probably watching. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So moving on, before we go, I want to talk about the Cardi B situation. Mm. Um, Cardi B is definitely out here doing her thing. She hosted the AMA. She just, matter of fact, she just signed with Playboy to be its artistic director, I believe. So yeah. she's definitely making like major moves. She has that whipped cream vodka and, mm-hmm. you know, all types of stuff. But she was trending the other day because Cardi was getting ready to go to a club in Miami. And um, there were a bunch of black women sitting outside the club. This was Club 11. And so as Cardi's walking in, the black girls are telling her, like, can you please get us in? They're not letting any black women in here. Like, this was just insane. I'm going to go ahead and play you guys the video clips. You guys can hear it. All right. So y'all just heard that audio and it's really sad 
because this has been going on forever in clubs in Miami, in clubs in L.A. I've talked about this in the past where literally they will not allow black women into their clubs. They only want space for Latina women, racially ambiguous or white women. Mm-hmm. And so for Cardi to basically check the people, like let these black women in, that was really dope of her. But the, a bigger conversation needs to be had. You know what I'm saying? Why they think that this type of behavior is okay. You know, because I've yeah. been to different clubs in Miami and we've had to stand out there and literally watch them bring people from even behind us in line who are racially ambiguous and bring them direct, directly into the club but then have us out there waiting because we were black women. And it's disgusting. That's why a lot of times I don't even club anymore in Miami because I don't have time for the bullshit. You know, I'm, one thing I don't do, I don't beg nobody to take my money. Hmm. If you don't want my black ass money, trust and believe my black ass money spends very well elsewhere. Okay? Yeah. Yes, I, I, I feel you. I've been to clubs in different places on this planet. Um, but specifically here in the United States, the way that they treat us, you know, women of a darker complexion. I remember back in the early 2000s when Island Alan Iverson, let me get his name right, was the dude. OK, and he came to Chicago and I and my friend Teresa, we decided to go ahead and we were at this club and then they had at the back this area of a meet and greet and we were adorable we were cute both dark-skinned sisters we come in having our drinks and then they have us line up because we're thinking it's like a meet and greet we get a chance to say hey how you doing la 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 we're not thinking groupie status at least I know I wasn't so we're standing there and we're thinking that we're going to get an opportunity to go in this section to see him. And the bouncer who was over six foot four, big black dude was like, y'all can't go up there. Ain't no dark skinned girls allowed. And my heart just, I was like, oh, he said it, it just like that. No dark skinned girls allowed. Yeah, like it, it, the way it made me, it just like, you know, somebody punch you in the chest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you're not expecting it. <laughs> You know, I was like, huh? And then I looked at my friend Teresa and she said, like, her mind didn't really populate on the concept either. And then we looked at him and we were like, what? Like, and he's like, yeah. Like, he's like, yeah, man, I'm just, I just work here. They just tell me what to do. I'm sorry. Y'all beautiful. I ain't got no problem with y'all, but I can't let y'all up there. I said, so wait a minute. You're telling me that because we this color? He ain't letting us up, nobody up there. When I hear they, he shook his head. And then as we were talking with him, there was nobody around us. We turned around. We seen all the Latina mommies, girl, in the tight, 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 your digs, shashing up towards the line with the big bouffants. We just looked at him. We was just like, fuck this. And we turned around and we left. I put my drink down. I was like, I'm not going to continue to stay here. And she's like, fuck these people. We left. We left. I was so disgusted. And it, I, t- I mean, I'm telling you the story. This is probably shit, fifth, more than 15 years ago, definitely. But the fact that I can remember exactly how I felt when he said that, I definitely mm-hmm. sympathize with these women. And I appreciate Cardi keeping it consistent when we're talking about clubbing with dark skinned women because she talked about how they were doing the bartenders up in New York mm-hmm. a few years ago, right? Yep. Yep. The dark skinned bartenders. Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, it, it's really sad. And then people wonder, you know, you. I think it goes even deeper. Okay, yeah. let me go kind of deep real quick with okay. this situation. Because so many times you have Black women on social media upset, like, well, why are all these rappers and, and entertainers and basketball players, they're always with white women or, or Latino women or Asian women. They're never with Black women. It's a bigger picture than them just... I just chose this white woman. I just chose this Latina. Do y'all understand they are keeping us out of spaces? So that way you'll never even get to meet said said entertainer. This goes deep. And if you want to go deeper, right, because women live longer than men. So now they marry said athlete or they have a baby with said athlete or rapper. Where does that money go to? It goes back to their community. And not the black community. 
So to me, it goes even deeper because if it doesn't, why are they letting beautiful black women who are dressed up, they're up to cold, bodies are on point, just like the Latinas and whoever else. Oh, we were there, honey. We were we were in the zone. We was That's what I'm saying. What else would be the reason for them not to allow them into those spaces? Because they know at the end of the day, they're securing the future for their own community. You get what I'm saying? And that's and that's true. Deion Sanders, you know Dion. He came out. Did you see a clip on YouTube with Deion Sanders and his um his boys in his his team? And he had this that chick, that archetype, racially ambiguous, probably not the one I'm that was sorry. giving the team, she was giving the team tips and stuff. The mixed girl. Yes. Okay, yes. I can see that. Mm-hmm. That's what this invokes to me. Because to me, he put them on game with that. And I when I didn't watch all of it, but I did see some of it. And I appreciated that. Because it kind of echoes just exactly what you're saying here. Is mm-hmm. that they don't give us the opportunity to be in these spaces. And... I've been in that situation so many times, not just with athletes, but other people of affluence and prominence. Okay. Um, and it's different here. They do it just, it's, and it's so, it's so overt now that yeah. it's, it's like, come on now, really? Uh, 2021, you know? Yeah, it's very overt and it's it's sad. You know, like even in LA, that was a, one of the biggest things for me because coming from the Midwest, I can say in Minneapolis, um, it's, I've never had any issue, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Getting this club and being in VIP, you know, it's the Midwest. We got a lot of bad bitches here. Uh, you know, a lot of you, M- Minneapolis has a lot of racially ambiguous mixed people. Like we have a huge biracial population. Mm-hmm. And so, but we've never had those issues here as dark skinned women or black women being able to get into a club or certain spaces. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I moved to LA, that was definitely a culture shock. Because Mm -hmm. one, a lot of the events with celebrities, you're not going to hear about it. This ain't Atlanta where they're going to be like, hey, Chris Brown is going to be at club such and such. Be there, ladies, until, you know, 11 o'clock free, $20 after 12 a.m. That's not L.A. Everything L.A. is hush hush. There's two different L.A.s. You have the regular L.A. where, you know, people can go party. But then anything with celebrities, entertainers, you have to know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. They're not it's exclusive, honey. The level of exclusivity yeah. is just, it's a level. And most of the exclusivity, exclusive, whatever you say, goes to the women who look a certain way. Exactly. Those are the ones who get the invites. So the ones who find out about these little late night club nights and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I remember just going to trying to go to like certain events and you would see them purposely pull women who look that yes, way, Rachel ambiguous out of the line. And then they'll decide if there's enough room for a few black girls. And if you're black, you better be light skinned. And then maybe, you know, sprinkle in one or two chocolate in the entire you have world. To look a certain way too. Yeah. You have to look a certain way because me, when I would go out, I love to dress up. Obviously I would wear my tight, you know, revealing your digs but for me i would like to dress a certain way because i wanted to attract a certain type of guy when i was out in the streets doing the thing i mean that's kind of my conscious effort right so i didn't want to track these pieces of shit so i didn't wear certain things and so i'm dressed a certain way i'm a certain complexion and i'm carrying myself a certain way and it was a roll of the dice if you were going to let me in or not Mm mm-hmm yeah, it's insane. I remember when I was throwing my party, I was throwing a party at, uh, uni- at what was it, near Studio City at the little Universal. There's a club in the Universal area in L.A. And now, mind you, I'm trying to spend money. And right, first- yeah, don't forget that. Yeah, and I'm, he's like, oh, well, before we can even go there, I need to know your Instagram. And I'm pretty proud of my Instagram because I never want to come into the situation like, oh, I'm lovely T. I'm an influencer and all that shit. I just want to book my stuff privately. You know what I'm saying? I don't need anybody, you know, on the staff knowing my business. So I'm like, well, why do you need my Instagram? I just want to book a table for me and my friends. Well, we need to see what you look like. So that was like, wait, what? So I said, okay, fine. So I gave my Instagram name. He's like, well, well, your page is private. I said, well, you needed my Instagram name. That's what it is. Well, no, we need to see your pictures. 
So can you unprivate us? I'm not unprivating my shit. What I can do, you can send me a friend request and I'll approve you. You can go on there and snoop. And so he sent me the friend request. He goes on my Instagram page like, yeah, okay, fine. You're cute. Well, who are your friends? I need their Instagram pages. Oh, uh. Fucking serious. So now I'm calling my homegirl. I'm like, yo, what is up with this bullshit in LA? Why do I need to give them your Instagram and your sister's Instagram and the other homegirl's Instagram for what? I'm not asking them to let me in free. I'm trying to buy a bottle and do a bottle service for my birthday. And she's like, yeah, that's just LA. Just give them our Instagram because they're from LA. So they're used to it. She's like, just give them our Instagram. It's not a big deal. So I did. Then he ended up calling me like maybe like an hour later after he checked out everybody's Instagram. I was like, yeah, you guys are all bad. Okay, cool. Y'all can all come. Now, the Ooh. two girls, the sisters, they were Latina. Then my other homegirl, beautiful girl from Kenya. So I still feel like the reason why we're even able to get in is because the other two girls were Latina. I To this day, I really feel like that's probably why. It's because like, oh, cool. It's not all black girls. It's a mixed oh, crowd. You get what I'm saying? Yes. Whereas if it was all black girls, we probably I probably wouldn't have been able to get the table. But we ended up going and stuff. And I mean, it was cool. I mean, it was it, we, it was a fun time. But that left a bad taste in my mouth. And I've yeah. never, ever done any bottle service, any club events in L.A. since. Just because it's like if I have to go through the headache of that and I'm trying to spend money, there's no way I'm going to do that ever again. And this was like several years ago. That was my very first time. And I said never again, because who wants to deal with the headache? You're better off just getting a private, you know, place, renting it out, putting up decorations and having your own party and inviting who you want to invite. Because one thing about my friends in L.A., they're all fit. They're in shape. They're beautiful. Right. But some of my friends in the Midwest, because it's not L.A., every day is not a fucking photo shoot. So yeah, yeah. In the Midwest, they're beautiful girls, but some of them are plus size. So you mean to tell me, like, some of my bestest friends who I've been friends with for years, they can't get into the club because they're not a size, you know, five mm-hmm. or a size two or because Basically. they're not 5'11 and model? Like, that's crazy to me. It's And, you know, I'm going to go back to your deep dive for a moment because you were like, well, you know, you, you know, these people that look a certain type are not put into these spaces to be in the company of these type of men. And it's a deeper move. I totally agree with that. But you know what I think? And I'm sitting here listening to your, you know, story about what happened to LA. And I wonder, I'm like, damn, do I got some type of phobia about going to the club? Like, because I think that I have had you know, I've had some nice times at certain places, but mm-hmm. I go into certain places and I like, I'm a woman of a certain age. So when I go to a place, I want to go to a nice place, enjoy myself. I don't want to be dealing with no bullshit. I just want to have a good time. And I'm not trying to be scrutinized. And I wonder if that's why I've kind of pulled away from going out just like you doing, because I just don't want to deal with the fucking scrutiny. So then what happens is that here we go. We find that, let's say, for example, I give up and I just say, fuck it, I'm not going to go outside to put myself in the you know, position to be in the company of other men. So I'm going to go home and sit down and just quit. And you have a lot of women who are being forced on the sidelines mm. for that same reason. And, you know, some of us just say to hell with it. And then we get on and these apps and we we deal with extra stuff just like everybody else but i think us women of color of a particular hue are dealing with a different experience and i think you made a good point by even going in that direction and that's something maybe we can talk about at another time but that's a good point it really it's something that goes a little bit deeper but i do thank hardy for for you know at least standing up and being consistent Mm -hmm. and bringing attention to it yeah, yeah, because a lot of people don't realize that that happens to black women in certain yeah. cities. Like I said, I, I don't, I've never experienced it in the Twin Cities. None of my friends have. So we don't do that here in Minneapolis. But I've been to LA and I've seen it done. I've been to Miami and I've had mm-hmm. it done to me. So I wasn't shocked at all with what the black women were saying because I've had it done where you get frustrated. You're standing there, your feet hurt. You literally right. have, you know what I'm saying? You have the tickets to get in. You were invited by the prom- by the promo person, whatever, and they're literally having you wait there next to the line as they scan for for what they're looking for Child. for a particular archetype. And we it's not right, and it's not to blame these women. Y'all know me; like I have friends of all hues and ethnicities and sizes. Yes. So it's not me hating on them or trying to shame them. 
But I do want women to understand, especially if you look a certain way, especially if you're racially ambiguous or you're white or you're Latina, that you do have certain, um, what do you call that? Advantages? Yes, thank you. <laughs> you do get certain <laughs> just based on something that you can't help. No different than how sometimes we get certain disadvantages based on things that we can't help. So that's why as women, we need to stand up for each other. So if you're in line and you're seeing a bunch of pretty black women and they're carrying themselves well and you see that they're not able to get in, stick up for them. Be like, nah, that's foul. Like, why aren't they getting in? You know, why y'all not looking out for them? And I think if more women stand up and say that, no, that's not cool. Guess what? The clubs will change. It yeah, becomes not the norm. You you right. normalize it. You're right. Yeah, That's you're normalizing it. There because mm -hmm. some women are getting gassed up behind this. Like, oh, I'm super bad. Well, not really. Slow down, sis. You're just the right oh. complexion. They don't make you super bad. Okay. So what I'm saying is that instead of people getting gassed up that they're getting in the club and other women aren't, if women came together and said, no, this is unacceptable, and you know the club starts losing money, guess what? They'll open the doors to everyone. And that's how, and that's how protest and sticking together and being, con again, I'm going to use the word consistent, ha what happens when you do that. And I think that the reality of it is that we're going to continue to see more of these situations. I do think that at some point we'll get to a place where this behavior is shunned. Yeah. We haven't got there yet because people are still allowed to get away with it. So until a movement of some magnitude happens, we're still going to continue to see this. And again, no shade, like you say, to the sisters and other women who look of a particular hue that can utilize, they benefit. Please do, sister. Come out, look fabulous, because I admire, I'm a people watcher, I admire looking at fabulously dressed people, and I'm going to give credit where credit is due, but just don't try to marginalize and suborn your other sister because you have an advantage. That's really all it boils down to, you know? Exactly. And on that note, we've been on here for an hour. This has been a great stream slash podcast. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed this and I really appreciate you coming on and um, letting us know about the whole punk shui situation <laughs> and, you know, everything with um, Holly Madison and the Cardi B situation. I think mm -hmm. these were definitely great topics to hit on, especially concerning women, you know, and hopefully, um, you know, we'll, we'll be the change that we want to see in the future. We got to be consistent. I mean, I appreciate you. We talk about so much. But thank you for, you know, having me come on and talk about these three particular topics. They all parallel. And um, I hope some of this stuff gets some traction. So anyway, thanks. it was fun as always. Thank you. And thank you guys for tuning in once again to Tea Time Unfiltered. Half of this will be posted on YouTube so you guys can comment over there. Thank you guys so much for the support and we'll talk to you later. Deuces. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's show. Make sure you join us again soon. For all the latest tea, make sure you follow me on my social media pages. Just put in L-O-V-E-L-Y-T-I on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.